1: Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus Farrow. This is South Coast Tonight. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening, uh, again, I want to thank Christopher Michaud for coming in. He's he's really taken a leadership role in southeastern Massachusetts on this issue of the Title V septic uh, upgrade proposed by the state's Department of Environmental Protection that could um, bring a high cost to taxpayers and homeowners in southeastern Massachusetts and Cape Cod. Chris took your messages on the WBSM app chat Uh, and uh, via the phone he also um, will be in with tim weisberg on the tim weisberg show at 9 a.m. tomorrow. So if you missed the opportunity to ask uh, Chris, Chris B. showed a question or voice your concerns in this matter, well, you can voice your concerns now still. I'll be here until uh, until 10 o'clock uh, tonight at 508-996-0500. And uh, I'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat as well. We've gotten a lot of interest in that story and it will definitely continue on to uh, Tim's show tomorrow. We're getting as many people aware of that issue as possible. DEP.talks At mass.gov is how you can um, is how you can voice your concerns on that matter. And it has to um, you have to have uh, you have to have in the title. um, And this is this is a quote from Christopher Shea's article in the Dartmouth Week. You have to have, quote, title. Title five and and that's an ampersand and watershed permit in the subject line of that email for that to be included in the public comment section. That's until Friday, December 16th. Now, this could impact this just because it doesn't impact you yet. It could eventually impact you it impacts a lot of the town of dartmouth westport i think maybe some of new bedford as well um but if you live in a town where it doesn't impact you it may impact you at some point because it's looking like southeastern massachusetts and the entirety of cape cod uh and perhaps the islands are going to be um are are going to be subject to this, um, or could be subject to this proposed regulation that could incur uh, incur a high ca- a high burden to taxpayers. So, make your voice heard on that. It will count if enough people speak up against it. Then you will, uh, you 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 can make a difference in this, uh, in this public conversation. That's why we're here. Um, and uh, and again, I'm really grateful to uh, public health director Mischoud for. Bringing that concern to uh, to us and to you guys at WBSM, so make sure you tune into Tim's show tomorrow too to hear more on that conversation. And make sure you um, let the D- Department of Environmental Protection know and let your local elected officials know uh, that this is a concern to you. So, um, uh, and and I do want to you know give a shout out, of course, to State Rep in, in Dartmouth, Chris Markey. Uh, You know, when I had Chris, I've had Chris Markey on uh, um, multiple times. McCarthy and I have had have have had him on multiple times throughout the show. And he really has an on the ground knowledge of what's going on in Dartmouth. Uh, You know, I always joke that. You know, when I had him on during the primary, when he had a primary challenge, he started talking about like the deer population, right? The overpopulation of deer in Dartmouth and how they're trying to combat that. So Chris Markey uh, is has taken a leadership role in this position as well, as well as um, Dartmouth's Senator Mark Montigny of Dartmouth, a part of his district. So definitely stay on. We're going to stay on top of this issue um, throughout the public comment period and beyond. Again, you could that conversation will continue tomorrow on Tim Weisberg's show. At nine o'clock, uh, at nine o'clock a.m., so you can continue that conversation. If you missed the conversation, I uploaded the podcast uh, just now during the news break, so you can go to. At a, it might not be available right away, but it will be available uh, soon. Either at on wbsm.com on the WBSM app, which I think is the best way to um, listen to the the podcast and, and just to get the content overall. And it'll be available anywhere where podcasts are offered. So Apple, Spotify, um, Apple podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can go and listen to that conversation again with Christopher me showed uh, that we just had, which I think we covered a lot of important ground there. So we will, we will keep up on that issue. It is really important uh, to us and it's important to you as well. we like to cover, um, everything that's going on here in the South coast. that's going to impact you guys. And that's why, that's why, um, that's why we're here. That's why we do this. So again, uh, we'll, we'll track that. So, um, I also talked about the sheriffs, the story on the first meeting between Sheriff Harrow, uh, Sheriff Elect Harrow and Sheriff uh, Tom Hodgson, their first meeting in person meeting since the election, their first in person meeting since this, this debate here on WBSM. And uh, it went really well. Um, they're both committed to having a smooth and effective transition, which I think the people of Bristol County and here in the South Coast can 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 be relieved about so. 508-996-0500, one of the things that we're, we're bringing attention to here is the special election for Ward 3 City Council, right? Hugh Dunn resigned. He announced his resignation here on the South Coast tonight, actually. You know, he was a good friend of Chris and I's, a very good friend of Chris and I's, and I actually... My entry into local politics was managing Hugh's Ward 3 City Council campaign in the special election back in 2017, so... I think a lot of people know that, but it's always worth um, it's always worth mentioning that uh, just so people know uh, my previous involvement in that race. So uh, I interviewed uh, I've interviewed. So I've reached out. So just an update on this. The signatures were due yesterday. Um, I've heard uh, I can confirm that every. Um, I don't know if there's absent any challenges. You know, you can challenge signatures. So each each candidate had to get 50 signatures of Ward Three residents, and they had to submit them by um, by yesterday, by December sixth. Each candidate has done that. Now, I doubt there's going to be signature challenges, but that could that is a theoretical thing that could happen is signature challenges to um, to somebody's ballot signatures. So that's why you always got to get. If it's 50, you got to get more, right? You got to get more. You got to get 60, 75, something like that, right? Because there's going to be some signatures that are eliminated by the elections office uh, because um, they might not have the right address or et cetera, but they they have to verify 50 signatures. Now, I have um, I have heard that seven candidates have reached the 50 signatures threshold and submitted it on time. So if everything holds, which it should, there will be seven candidates. I've reached out to six of the seven. The one I haven't reached out to yet is one that I didn't know uh, as a candidate. I didn't know was in, in the race until, um, until like today. Right. So I, I will, and I will, um, I will let that, I will reach out to that candidate as well. I've invited everybody to come on the program. Most have responded. Um, and so, uh, and if others do, you will hear them here on South Coast tonight. There will be a column uh, about them on uh, on WBSM.com. I've written profiles on a few of the candidates already, and I will write more on the candidates going forward. So the rec- most recent candidate profile I had on was Bob Bromley. Uh, that was released today. You can check that out on WBSM.com. We had a great conversation with Bob Bromley. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I listened to it again. I really enjoyed it. Um, and you can listen to it again on the podcast, or you can go to the column where the podcast is embedded in it and listen to it if you'd like. But I I, um, I, I, pulled, the, I pulled some of the highlights out. But it's a very deep conversation because what impressed me about um, Mr. Bromley is that he has a very impressive depth of policy knowledge. He worked uh, in city knowledge and city policy knowledge because uh, his backstory is he worked um, for uh, the, uh, uh, at the time what was called is the department of housing and neighborhood development. He worked there, I think under mayor Lawler, he worked there for about six years and then he worked for, uh, state rep, longtime state rep Bob Cazara, who's a New Bedford rep and I believe a former New Bedford city councilor, uh, he worked uh, for, as a, as a legislative aide to Bob Cazara. so he's got that experience. And for the last thirty years, he's worked as a senior fiscal analyst for the Rhode Island State Senate. So he, you know, looks at the personnel budgets. The, um, you know, oversees the entire state's pension system and has to, part of his job is advising, uh, you know, all 38 Rhode Island senators on the, um, on uh, the budget and budgetary matters. So he has a skill in communicating complicated government finance in a way that everybody can understand government finance and finance in general is obviously a very difficult subject. Typically you have to have a background in order to understand it and be able to explain it that way. He has that background. He has an incredible depth of knowledge. And on top of that, um, you know, he's lived in ward three, I think basically his entire life, uh, lives in the Hathaway road neighborhood, which is going to be most impacted by the advanced manufacturing campus, uh, Proposal. Well, not even proposal. It's going forward, uh, which is, um, if you don't know, it is the uh, project that will build a business park in the city-owned golf course over on Hathaway Road. Now, it will keep the golf course. I believe 18 holes of the golf course. There's been a lot of advocacy on on behalf of the uh, the community for that um, for that as well. So there will be an av- a business park and a golf course there. And. You know there was a lot of public there were a lot of public meetings um but there's still information that probably needs to get out there in terms of how the traffic's going to be impacted and all that and i think you know what impressed me about uh uh bromley other than his his policy background was the fact that he had a really really deep knowledge of the traffic issues that were happening in the um in that in that in that area as well so it was a really good interview um i i enjoyed it and, uh, you can check that out on wbsm.com. Uh, I think coming into the races, he's got a strong candidacy. So go check out my profile on Bob Bromley. I also have one on Robert Cabral and Jake Ventura, um, who, uh, all of whom who have had on the show. I had Kathy Daner on the show, who was a former city counselor and it was, uh, owned a real, a uh, uh, real property brokerage and, um, Uh, she has a lot of important institutional and private sector knowledge and, uh, it was very nice and genuine too. So, so, um, uh, I will have a profile on her probably by the end of the week, if not tomorrow, uh, on that matter. So make sure you, um, Make sure you check those out. Uh, even if you don't live in Ward Three, even if you don't live in the city, it's an important race. Uh, what happens in New Bedford matters for everybody, and so we want to get that information on each candidate out there as much as possible. Now, there, while I was before I came on the show, uh, and after uh, you know Barry had went off air, there was a new column that was by Tim Weisberg on wbsm.com, which you can check out as well on Jake Ventura. So Jake Ventura. Uh, he was the first candidate i had had on the show. Um, I've known Jake a while. Uh, I, I, I consider Jake to be a friend and, um, and, uh, he, there's been questions of his residency, right. In ward three. And, uh, you know, uh, I think there's, I think the, the questions that have been raised, I think the concerns that have been raised have been valid. um, to the extent that it will matter in the, in the election, I'm not sure. Um, uh, it depends on, you know, how well he runs his campaign and communicates his message and how the voters of Ward three feel, uh, about it. So, um, but Jake Ventura did, um, propose, did send a, uh, did send WBSM did send our newsroom a letter from um, the property owner of Wamsutta, the property management company that owns or that manages Wamsutta Mills, Wamsutta Mills is in the Hicks Logan neighborhood of Ward Three, right under the, basically right under One Ninety Five. It's one of the biggest apartment complexes in the city, if not the biggest. Uh, Counselor Dunn lived there previously, um, so it uh, it just basically the the letter verifies that he is a resident in the Wamsutta in the Wamsutta lofts. Uh so you can check that out. There's a full story by Tim Weisberg. This was an issue I remember because again I, I had, had run Counselor Dunn's campaign. Now you know this was an issue. It was really wasn't an issue but um because Counselor Dunn had lived in the city uh for like Six, seven years uh, while he was both working as the New Bedford district rep for Congressman Keating and going to law school at UMass Law, where I also went. And then he had moved to Attleboro for a year. Part of it was because of, you know, train access and all of that um, and some other reasons. But he'd moved, he'd lived there for about a year, year and a half and moved back into the city. Now he had moved back and it was just before Henry Bousquet had. Uh, resigned. I think he'd moved back like eleven days before Henry had resigned um and uh and when Henry resigned, uh he would ran for the seat successfully and won. there was some kind of you know, did he move here to run for the seat blah, blah blah. um I mean I can tell you no uh that's just as a personal friend of his i can tell you no um he didn't even know he lived in ward three when he moved in he texted steve martin's i remember he texted steve martin's it was the ward two city council at the time jokingly and said hey i live in ward two now i'm you know i'm running for your seat he was joking and then steve goes no actually that's henry's ward and he's resigning and so um he ran he ran a good campaign and, and eventually won uh so this is this issue is coming up again. Uh, I've seen some reaction to it. I've seen some people who I know and live in the ward who say, "Oh, I, this is you know, I don't like this." And some people say, oh, "I'm interested to hear what he has to say." But um, Jack Spillane had written a column on the New Bedford Light, which I thought was very uh, a very good column. I think uh, laid out the issue pretty completely, um, and I, I think was I think was I think was pretty fair. Uh, honestly, um, laid out the issue. Uh, talked about Jake and talked about his qualifications and all of that. And so, um, so they, they did release it. Um, it's there. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be an issue again, that that's like, that's going to depend on how well, uh, you know, Mr. Ventura runs his campaign and how effectively he communicates his message and how respect the receptive the people of ward three are to it. um, you know, have I seen the, the carpet, like, you know, quote unquote, carpetbagger and a carpetbagger is someone who, you know, moves to an area for an opportunity and all that. Do I, you know, have I seen that ever be effective in a, in a campaign? Not really. um, Not really, but um, you know, the voters award three might feel differently. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Again, you're going to have to just check that out. I, I have, you know, I got. I guess I got called out. I get called out all the time just being here and being on the radio, and I I typically don't respond to it, uh, but uh, I will anyway. Just for, I guess why not? I got like called out because uh, people were saying that I'm like trying to help Jake or something. Uh, I've had every candidate in. That's I've invited all but one candidate who I didn't know was running. Right. I've had four of them in so far. I've written profiles on all of them. We're, we're, you know, I I don't know what more you want from me. (laughs) You know, I don't know what more you want from me in that I've, I've done everything that I do during a campaign. I've did this for every race that I've done. I've had the candidates in, I've written a profile on them and we've had good interviews and good discussions. So I can say it. I get called out all the time. It happens, but I like, I saw that. I was like a little bit offended by it. Um, I don't know why typically I'm not, but I always thought I'm like, well, that's not right. That's not correct. You know, cause I, I work hard to make sure every candidate that's in these important races has a voice. And then I get, I get, I, I you know, someone's calling me out for trying to fix the race. It, it was offensive to me. It was offensive to me. And I typically, again, I typically don't respond to stuff like that, but something about it bothered me, uh, just this once just kind of bothered me. I'm like, well, that's not right. So um, check out the profiles and the candidates that I've been in. I've invited all of them on. Uh, if they come in, I'll write a profile on them, right? If they come in, I'll interview them. They'll get to talk to you and they'll get to talk to Chris and me and I'll write a profile on them um, and I'll spell out all their qualifications and background. And I think that all of them have a lot to offer in this race. I think a lot, all of them have a lot to offer to the city council if they're elected. I think it's a great field actually I think it's a great field of candidates just based on everything I've seen so far. And I think the voters award three are, I think the voters award three are fortunate, um, that, uh, that they have, that they have this great field, this robust and qualified field of candidates. So that's my, uh, that's my, that's my, um, I don't know, that's my two cents on that, but 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Good evening.
2: Good evening, Marcus. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine. And I must say, I learned that uh, Kathy Gaynor is going to be running for uh, Ward 3. Yep. Well, I'm picking her to be the front runner. Why is that? Because she's got the experience. She does. And she's a very smart and talented woman.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I've seen her in action in the city council chamber. I've been there and watched her, and she is quite the woman and very smart and talented
1: yeah, um she she when she came in, uh, I you know what what the point I think she really got across was that. She has the institutional knowledge of being a previously being a city councilor, and she has a valuable private sector in, uh, knowledge of owning a real estate brokerage. Um, so she comes in with a lot of uh, qualifications and she's a genuine and nice person. I, I had some conversations with her off the air and on the air, and I actually hadn't talked to her prior to um, the interview earlier this week, I think on Monday, I hadn't talked to her prior and I, and I was impressed. Uh, I, again, very nice person.
2: And I'm sure my good friend Tom Kennedy, who was a counselor at Watch himself, will agree with me as far as Kathy Gaynor is concerned.
1: Yeah, maybe I I I don't remember if he made a comment on 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 who he who who he thinks the front runner is, but. Um, You know, I think having a former city council, someone who's won elections in the ward before, I think that definitely plays a a pretty strong. um, I think that's a I think that is is very important.
2: Yes, indeed. And once again, Marcus, you're doing an outstanding job. Thank you. The day cannot come quick enough for me to actually sit, actually stand before you and shake your hand.
1: I look forward to that, Big Al.
2: And I look forward to it as well. Thank you. And uh, I want to take a page from your book. It'll be fair to say, and let the record reflect without prejudice, you will have yourself a lifetime friend with me.
1: I really appreciate that. Thank you. I, I look forward to it.
2: And let the record reflect that.
1: The record has been reflected.
2: Okay, my friend.
1: Thanks, Al. I okay. appreciate the call.
2: You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Yeah. So, see, I mean, people have got their different opinions on stuff, on who who they think uh, is the immediate front runner. Again, you know, there's a lot that goes into campaigning, right? You there is campaigning is, you know, more or less an exact science. There are ways to campaign locally that will put you in a position to win. And there are ways to do it, which won't the ways to do it, which won't are anything but the ways to do it. There's very specific ways to do it. <laughs> and if you don't do them, you're not going to win. And so, you know, it's, and, it, and, and essentially what it boils down to though, is getting yourself in front of as many residents, uh, and as many voters as possible, as many likely voters as possible, because there's people that are going to vote in this ward three election that are going to be the people. They're the people that vote, you know, they're the people, they're the likely voters when you run for office. And, you know, I've worked on campaigns here and I've had a campaign myself and, you, you really got to put yourself in front of people, uh, to be successful and you got to have familiarity with people. Um, they want to vote for people, want to vote for someone that they know and that they like, um, a lot of that, that all really matters. So getting that retail politics down is so crucial. And so the candidate that does, that does that the best and presents the candidate that does, that does that the best and presents their vision most effectively and the, the voters gravitate to on a personal level, that's the candidate that's going to, that's the candidate that's going to win or the candidate in the best position to win. So, I mean, we'll see, you know, we'll see how the, all of that, um, all that unfolds, but I always, you know, whenever there's a local race here in New Bedford, Dartmouth, et cetera, um, uh, Bristol County, obviously Plymouth County, you know, uh, uh, you know, when Barry called in and talked about some of the debates we had, one of them was the Plymouth County debate, right? We had the Plymouth County debate here in studio between Tim Cruz and Rasan Hall, who was uh, Tim Cruz and Rasan Hall, who was, um, who was, uh, um, who, who a lot of people in this audience, uh, you know, that's their DA people that live in Lakeville, people live in Mary, Marion, Rochester, Middleborough, Plymouth, etc. right? Carver. Um, I know we've got, where him, I know we've got people in all those audiences, right. And in all those, in all those towns. And so they got to hear from those candidates themselves exchange their ideas and all of that. And again, it's the thing that I was most excited about about this program, uh, was being able to do that. So we're going to continue to do that here again. I think the voters award three, um, do have a robust and qualified field of candidates. I've gotten to talk to most of them. I've uh, looked into a couple uh, that I haven't gotten to talk to, and they seem like they're pretty impressive as well. And I, I hope I hope to talk to them here, right? I hope to talk to them here, and I hope they can talk to you, you know. And so that's why we're featuring the race. Uh, we'll see how much that residency issue. Again, you can check that out on wbsm.com. Jake Ventura is, uh, submitted a letter, um, you know, basically from the property owner confirming his, uh, residency. Uh, I remember when Hugh Dunn did that back in 2017 to Tim Weisberg too, you know, the more things change, the more they say the same, um, Tim, uh, they did it to, uh, that, uh, Hugh came to Tim about five, six years ago, presented a copy of his lease, uh, and he put it on file and wrote a story and said, Hey, this is, you know, this person actually lives here. So, um, we will, we will see. Uh, there's a column that Jack Spillane wrote on it too on New Bedford Light, which I think is I think is pretty good and I think a fair assessment of of all that as well. So um, you can check all that out. Uh, you can check all that out. Actually, Tim's column links uh, links the has a few links. It links the column that Jack Spillane wrote in the new Bedford light that they talked about, uh, in that podcast with Tim and and Jack is, is that was a good discussion that they had as well. I listened to it. Um, of course I'm always listening, (laughs) but that was a good discussion that they had as well. Tim and Jack, uh, Tim and Tim and Jack on Monday. I want to say it is. And, um, and, uh, the podcast is linked. The, uh, The conversation I had with Jake was linked and the previous uh, story with Hugh Dunn uh, and, you know, having to provide a copy of his lease. That's linked as well. Um, So that's um, pretty much that on that issue. We'll see how the voters feel about it. Um, Like I said, I've never seen it be an issue but it could i'm not you know i'm not voting in this race and uh again it's going to come down to how well ventura and the other candidates communicate their message get in front of the voters and um convince the voters that they're the person to uh lead that ward and help lead new bedford and really the south coast forward because the the new bedford you know is the hub of the region so all right i'm going to take a break and i'll be right back this is south coast tonight i'm marcus new bedford's news talk station 60500 Good evening.
3: Hey, Marcus, how are we doing? Hey, what's up? Well, I was wondering if I could take you in another direction. Absolutely. Uh, I was listening, I guess, to Tim sometime this week, and he had on Ian Abreu, mm-hmm. and they were talking about, uh, you know, uh, the next uh, city council president.
1: Oh, I I, I talked he, to him about that. That oh, was me and Ian.
3: Oh, it was you? Okay, yeah, right. no. I, I'm, I'm confused then. <laughs> and Ian Abreu almost seemed like he was um, relieved that he was giving up the gavel. <laughs> yeah
1: he did seem relieved didn't he yes, yes yeah
3: and and the question was brought up uh, well who would you support for the next uh, city council president and he said without hesitation Brad Markey what do you see happening there
1: yeah so um, I've heard that too um, from from other people that Brad Markey's putting his name in the hat for for ward uh, ward one city council uh, I mean the ward one city council Brad Markey he's been there three you know he's been there now three terms. Um, he is a very smart guy. He was a chair of the finance committee and, you know, through all that ARPA money allocation, all that, and the finance committees, they're probably the, one of the two most important committees in that council, other than, um, or, you know, finance and ordinance, it's probably the mm-hmm. two biggest committees in that council. And, um, you know, I think he's, he's pretty qualified. He's a very likable guy in terms of the dynamics in the council. I don't know who else has declared that they're going to run. Um, but I don't necessarily I don't think it's going to be uh like that. Ian won on a six to five vote. Yeah, it was close, yeah. I don't think it's gonna be the same thing here. I think there was a lot of um inside baseball stuff that was uh I don't really, you know, I, I can't really get into on the there's a lot of inside baseball stuff that was going on behind that, um, but I think that stuff won't exist in this particular race. So I don't know who's putting their name in the hat, but if it's Brad Markey, he's a real likable guy. So you're saying he's a shoo-in then? I'm not saying he's I sh- I don't know who else is jumping in. I'm not saying he's an a- absolute shoo-in, but I think he's going to have less problem than Ian. Again, there was a lot of there's some other yeah. stuff that was going on with the Ian thing, but um, I I think I think he's I think he's gonna I think he'll have less of a, a of a difficult path to to winning that than he ended
3: well okay let's take it the next step then okay and and you and you and mcafee would know if this is true if uh the mayor gets an offer he can't refuse yeah does that have any meaning
1: yeah uh, sure Uh, would Uh, so i've heard and i haven't looked into it yet i've heard from other people that if the if the mayor were to if the mayor and or a mayor leaves in the middle of the term then it's not necessary i don't think it's necessarily the city council president that gets that gets elevated to that position it is um it is someone who the city council votes on to be the acting mayor
3: i thought past practice was like when uh mayor Markey left to become a judge nelson macedo just took over because he was the uh uh, city council president. Yeah, that
1: probably that could have been the th- like you know I wasn't really alive back then, but it could have been the. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: no, you were <laughs> but,
1: alive. You were But, but, but it could have been. I, I wasn't. I was like 19- you, you were
3: being bottle fed at the yeah, time. <laughs> yeah, It was
1: 1980, so it was nine years before I was I well, was past born. Past
3: practice, does, does, I <laughs> yeah. would say does mean um, something if it's not written. Yeah, in the yeah, practice.
1: probably. So probably the city council president, right? Um, yeah. So uh, whoever that is at the time will, will be. Will be in the acting. Will be the acting mayor until there's a special election.
3: Now, when they do pick the city, uh, the, the city council president will the ward three uh, person be there?
1: To help pick this? No, um, would, because would that the be a problem. Because the election is, yeah, it uh, depends on how close the vote is. The election. There'll be an even there'll be an even number of counselors. So now, what I'm saying, though,
3: would that leave out the Ward 3, uh, you know, populace and not having any say in who the next city council is? Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: yes and yes and no, because the uh, yes and no, because um, uh, because, you know, the city councilors are the ones that have the say anyway. It doesn't actually matter. Uh, who, who, what the people say in that the well, city council makes the vote. I mean, I think that, you know, in, in a situation like that, you could call your counselor and say, Hey, I, I would really like Brad Markey, or Hey, I'd really like, you know, Brian Gomes to be the next counselor. Mm-hmm. And that would be, you know, that would be, um, uh, that would be, you know, they'll they'll listen, but they might just say, well, no, this is the how the bodies run. This is how we're going to do our business. And we want such and such or we want such and such. Now,
3: when, so, is, when is the Ward 3 going to be decided?
1: When, when the, the final so the preliminary election, uh, which will bring the candidates down from seven candidates to two, that's on January 24th. Um, And the general election will be February 28th.
3: Is there no way they could postpone the uh, city council uh, president until that election? I,
1: I doubt it because they'll—they have to—they um, have to move forward with like city business, and so they're probably just going to operate, continue to operate as you know they would until well, the board. Could Three...
3: Ian be kept on in an interim basis until we get a War Three councillor? I don't know if
1: their charter allows for that. They might—they—they'd probably have to like ra- waive a rule, and I don't—I don't know if—and I don't know if. And I don't know if all of them would be willing to do that. F- furthermore, if like someone like Brad or, or or whoever, you know, Maria, whoever wants to be the city councilor, if if someone wants to be the city councilor, they don't want necessarily want to start midway through the uh, midway through the term because there's one vote in Ward Three missing. It could be the case too. Like I don't know how I, I haven't talked to any. I've only talked to a couple councilors on this. Mm-hmm. It could be the case that like everybody's just like, yeah, Brad can be the counselor. And they just, it's a 10-0 vote. Like Joe Lopes, when he was, he was the yeah. counselor for a term mm-hmm. and then he became the counselor for the second consecutive yeah. year, which yeah, was, yeah, it was, unpre- it was unprecedented mm-hmm. and that was an 11 to nothing vote. Mm-hmm. So it could be the case that the that the math, it's not as hotly contested as the last one was. And it doesn't even really matter because the vote, the vote that that award three counselor would have gave is insignificant.
3: Well, I'm just wondering with the musical chairs that are taking place, if this is in a, uh, an unusual situation with the War three council not being there. Yeah.
1: And,
3: you know, yeah. And, and that way the, the, those people are kind of disenfranchised I, I guess the, here's the, the good City th- Council th- president. Yeah,
1: you. here's the good thing. Um here's the good thing is that if Mayor Mitchell's going in, in, like a Healy cabinet, we have no news on the Healy cabinet, by the way. But um, you have no news. No, he's no, no news that's fit the print. She's <laughs> named, yeah. No, I have nothing. I, okay. I, I literally have nothing. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, but I asked actually when I saw last time I saw Maura Healy, I asked her who she's picking in her cabinet, more or less, in like a more circuitous way, and she didn't really answer the question. Why would mm-hmm. she? Um, but uh, but the the we have we don't have any news on that yet. Um, uh, but all we have is a transition team. Okay. So I, I, I don't know anything beyond who's on not uh, like, you know, who's on her transition team. It's all like policy people. I saw a couple of elected officials like Eric Lesser, the Senator from the, uh, the Senator, former Senator from, uh, from like Springfield. But other than that, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no news on that yet. Okay. But if there is going to be news, she's getting sworn in on January 4th or 5th. She's getting sworn in on January 4th or 5th. Yeah. And so we're going to have to know that soon. So if there is a situation where, like, if Mayor Mitchell were to be elevated to Healy's cabinet or position in her administration, we're going to know that in the next couple of weeks anyway. So there will at least be some more clarity on that and how significant that council vote is. I think people will know before that council vote takes place, which is going to be early January.
3: On a lighter note, okay, and trying to be somewhat facetious, uh, do you think that – since Nantucket now has the right to have uh, the oh, ladies on the beach that we could uh, do that in new Bedford and then have a, that as a tourist attraction. To <laughs> I'm not going to comment. On that. <laughs> well, if you want tourism. I'm certainly sure you get it. Maybe you get something that you wouldn't want either though. All right, Marcus, I'll let
1: you go. Uh, thank you Thanks pr- for the time. I appreciate okay. it. Um, yeah, I don't. <laughs> um, let's, <laughs> let's take a, let's take a break.
0: 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. Start real-time reaction to everything that happens after the sun goes down. Go
2: down
1: till the sun comes up.
0: South Coast tonight with Marcus and Chris is on WBSM.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus 508 996 500 Yeah, on on the potential of Mitchell leaving um uh for a cabinet position at Healy, he did say on Tim Weisberg's show, uh he's not seeking anything. So we have no news on her cabinet or anything like that. Uh, the city council vote could definitely be impacted by that for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, actually, uh, Moore Healey's inauguration, I believe, is January 5th. The inauguration of Moore Healey and Kim Driscoll. And it's going to be at TD Garden because they... Uh, uh, more Healy and in, 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 uh, Healy and Driscoll were famously uh, college uh, collegiate basketball players, so it's a kind of a nod to that. And uh, the yeah, they'll be sworn in on January 5th. Uh, the time and all that's going to come uh, going to come soon. We'll we'll know more details on that. So if there's any cabinet level positions or anything that's going to be filled by people in southeastern Mass, we're going to hear about that. I think pretty soon, considering how. How, how soon their swearing date is. All right, I'm going to take a break, and we'll be right back. If you want to hear everything. Hi, Marcus. Hey, what's up?
4: So can you tell me when when Hugh Dunn's term would have ended, had he stayed?
1: Yeah, it would have ended. Uh, it w- he would have had to run for re-election uh, a y- uh, next November. Um, so next year would have been his year g- coming up for re-election, and his term would have ended January of twenty-four.
4: So November of 2023 is he would be rerunning. running He would, he he would yeah, he would, he
1: would, he would, he would be running for reelection for November of 2023.
4: And he couldn't squeak out one more month and stay till January, so the vote was taken.
1: No, y- yeah, so, no.
4: So there's technically only going to be, you know, three four months shy of a full year. Three months shy of a full year.
1: Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, so pretty much. So
4: people are all putting their money, time and effort into be- being the incumbent basically for next go around.
1: You know, you know what's going to happen though is that uh whoever gets elected uh will probably if they run strong enough, will probably get reelected. Um that that's that's what happened with Hugh. He ran such a strong campaign that no one even bothered to run against him in the fall after yeah, he got elected in the special election. So we
4: only have like 9 months.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And you the know, so the charter, the charter effort
4: out there and they may or may not, you know, get elected once
1: you once you get. Ele- yeah. If you, well, that's, you know, that's the risk of running a campaign. But once you get elected, right, but
4: they're not waiting till next go around. They're all trying to see what they can put out there in nine months before the next election. So that's yeah. that's
1: really. Yeah, the seats yeah because the seats open now.
4: Yeah. And then and then the cost of an election. And it's really only for a nine month period. Interesting.
1: Fifteen to twenty grand. I think the they estimated the mayor's office estimated that it would uh, it would cost. Yeah. The city charter says if it's anything uh, less than six months of the if it's anything longer than six months of the of of an elected official's final term, there'll be a special election. And that so six months, if it was January, would have been like what, like July or August if he were to resign, uh, something like that. So, wow.
4: um, so he could have done it a little earlier and given somebody a whole year or a little later, but this is the way it is. So what would that position pay for, you know, a year? You, you know, know? the, the
1: salary is twenty four thousand a year. I don't know if it's prorated um, based on the fact that they come in later. I imagine it is. I would, um, ha- I, I would, I would think so. <laughs> yeah, so, so probably, yeah, so
4: because they don't just pay for your campaigning and like your time and effort in, in that front. That's not how it works. So I imagine yeah. nine months is what you're getting, yeah. or or thereabouts. Yeah, I mean but they um, they almost
1: know that. You know they're they're the well, ones It's
4: going to cost nearly the whole year's salary. You know, for mm-hmm. taxpayers, yeah. in addition to fill that position. Yeah, don't or whatever.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean they, they would've cost the salary anyway because if Hugh done stayed, he would have just taken the salary, but um-